0: In my view, that's not investing. The the Reddits, the AMCs, the GameStops of the world, you know, I, I think some young people have gotten a misunderstanding as far as what investing is, because to me, that's gambling.
1: On this episode of Early Bird, Larry Sprung, founder and wealth advisor for Midland Financial. Larry joins the podcast today to talk about why you should invest early the benefits of doing so, and why you should have a diversified portfolio. If you're an investor looking to stay on top of the latest market trends, then you're listening to the right podcast. This is Early Bird, and I'm your host, Stephen Lerner. Before we get to today's discussion, let me tell you how you can save time and beat the market through Early Bird, a free daily email newsletter featuring commentary about the latest trends in stocks, cryptocurrency, and equity crowdfunding early bird is designed to help individual and non-professional investors stay on top of all of the critical investing trends the newsletter is 100 percent free and is sent to your email box each weekday morning subscribe to early bird for free at www.earlybird.email once again that's earlybird.email and now today's discussion All right. Larry, thank you so much for joining us today on the Early Bird Podcast. How are you doing?
0: I am awesome, Stephen. Thanks for having me. appreciate it.
1: Well, thank you for coming on. We are excited to have you here to talk about uh, important topics that young investors really should pay attention to, especially the importance of investing early at an early age. Uh, But before we talk about today's young people, let's go back in time, Larry, and talk a little bit about you um, how did you sort of get started in, in this field? What, what is a good, uh, you know, 30 second biography about you?
0: Yeah, I'll try to, uh, thanks Stephen, I'll try to encapsulate it in 30 seconds as best I can. Essentially, I went to college. I wanted to be pre-med and uh, clearly I'm not. Uh, long story short, as I started looking at the career, didn't want to wait that long to, uh, to make a living. I didn't want to be in school that long had a real liking for the markets and and watching CNBC. And while I was in school, I got an internship with, and I'm going to date myself here, uh, Dean Witter at the time. And uh, I love that. I love that internship. And then while I was... At school for a summer interning, I got a job as a a salesperson, a cold caller. And, you know, I really enjoyed the markets. I enjoyed working and helping people over the phone. Um, And uh, I was helping them purchase uh, picture packages for their family. And it really led to this desire that, uh, you know, financial services was an area that I felt I could excel in and really enjoy. And uh, I, I haven't looked back ever since.
1: That's fantastic, and now you have um, your company, Midland Financial, where you're the founder and wealth advisor. Uh, you do a lot of great things, uh, especially for your clients. But I also know, and I that you do a lot of things outside of that, especially as it relates to charitable work. Could you talk a little bit about that?
0: Yeah, sure, Stephen. I mean, listen, uh, you know, uh, being a business person and being involved in the community, I think, in, and being an advisor. Means you know a lot more than just doing what you do. So uh, I became very passionate back uh, at the same time that I launched my firm back in 2004. I became very passionate about mental health and suicide prevention. Unfortunately, uh, about a month before I launched my firm, I lost my brother-in-law to suicide, and uh, you know since that time. My wife and I have been very active in the space. I just uh, finished about a 14-year tenure as a national board member for the American Foundation for Suicide Prevention. And my wife and I are involved with, uh, in my brother-in-law's namesake, the Keith Milano Memorial Fund which essentially uh, through our network and through some very generous clients and the uh, author community, as well as a lot of our friends and family, uh, we were blessed to raise over 1.7 million for the American Foundation for Suicide Prevention and continue to raise money for that cause. And uh, we're happy to say that over the last 14 years or so or 17 years that we've been involved, we're happy to see that there's been a lot of strides in mental health. Uh, We think there's a lot to go, and uh, you know, I think being in the field I'm in, also there are a lot of ties to financial well-being and mental health, so they they also go hand in hand in 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 that regard as well. Absolutely,
1: uh, they certainly go hand in hand. And Larry, that's really great to hear about all of the efforts you've done outside of work to to help out different organizations. Um, it's it's really wonderful. Um, so today on the podcast, we are going to talk about why investors, particularly those at a younger age, should try to start investing as early as possible. Uh, Larry, why is it important for for young people to invest as early as possible?
0: Yeah, I think the, uh, Stephen, I think the most important thing that we don't realize when we're young in our 20s is, and I, you know, luckily I was introduced to this because of my profession, is you have to learn about the eighth wonder of the world which is compound interests and if you learn about that and you educate yourself about that it really drives an understanding of how you can build wealth over time And, you know, it's important that, and I know it's tough in your 20s to start thinking about your retirement or down the road, but there are some important factors, you know, when you're young and you're not maybe earning as much money and you're not at your highest income earning potential, we tend to think that we don't have enough money to save in our retirement accounts or put away. And the reality is as time goes on and you go through life, you're going to experience other events. Maybe you find a spouse and then buy a house and now have children and all these other financial obligations are coming to you on the horizon that have a pull on that pool of money that you're earning. Now you may be earning more now at that point in time, but the reality is if you start early, you use uh, the eighth wonder of the world compound interest to your benefit and start, putting as much money away as you possibly can earlier on, then when it comes time that you have those other things pulling at your financial purse strings, you might be able to pull back a little bit on your investments on your savings at that point, because you did such a great job earlier on and took advantage of that compound interest earlier in your life.
1: I could see why it's you consider it to be the eighth wonder of the world. It certainly is important um, to develop that mindset of compound interest. I'm sure most people, especially in your field, Larry, would agree with you that it is certainly important for all people to begin investing as soon as possible. Um, Larry, in your experience, uh, why is it that you're seeing uh, maybe young people may not be investing at such an early age? Is it simply an awareness about um, the importance of investing? Or do you find it to be maybe other issues at play, whether it's student loans that many young people still have to pay off, um, the fact that the cost of living has gone up and hasn't caught up with uh, wages and in wage increases in the past few years? Um, the, you know, what, what, what do you think are some of the big factors that might be contributing to that issue?
0: Yeah, Stephen, I think it's a confluence of a lot of these things. And I think depending, you know, each person is affected a little bit differently, right? So to, to answer your question directly, I, I think there's a number of factors. I think one is financial literacy, which, you know, your show is is very helpful in educating. And I think it shows and, and hopefully gets across the importance of getting financially literate as early as possible, because uh, that will help you throughout life. It'll help you start investing earlier. It'll help you start making better decisions when it comes to student loans and hopefully maybe putting you in a position either to avoid some of that debt or maybe, uh, you know, work towards eliminating it earlier. Uh, You know, cost of living is obviously an issue too. And I think also another issue is, you know, when you're, you know, it's very difficult in your early 20s or even your late teens to understand what retirement is gonna mean what it looks like it's hard to save for something that you really don't know about um and i think it's all tied to financial a lot of it's tied to financial literacy and having a grasp on you know what. You know, money means to you and how it can be utilized and what those tools are. And I think a lot of those things that you mentioned are all tied back to that factor. So I think parents have to do a better job educating their kids because I, I think we're it's pretty clear at this point the educational system, is not really taking on that responsibility. So it's really important to parents to uh, get educated and hopefully impart some of that into their children and put them in a better position so they can tackle and address a lot of these things and understand the importance of starting earlier. I I think it really all is tied back to that.
1: You're absolutely right. Uh, There has been a push, uh, Larry, I'm not sure if you've seen this in the past few years, to teach financial literacy in school so that way uh, Young people at a younger age can start to learn about basic uh, financial and personal finance concepts. Um, Yeah. I think that's... Yeah, I
0: I have seen that. You know, I have an 18-year-old and a 15-year-old and my my 18-year-old had to take like a personal finance or was suggested to take a personal finance course his junior or senior year of high school. He ended up uh, uh, de-enrolling from that class because it was almost too simplistic. You know, they were talking about Uh, you know, writing a check, you know, (laughs) that's, you know, I don't know, you know, he's 18. I don't think he's ever written a check. I don't know that he ever will write a check, you know? So I think that the intentions are there, but I think it's important that they bring that curriculum up to a level that is high enough to impart what these youngsters need to know and not be as dated as some of the, uh, you know, the curriculum that we saw was. So, um, yeah, I have seen a push there. I, I think there's a lot of work to be done, though, in order to get our uh, young people up to speed on, in, in that regard.
1: So I guess the bottom line really is, as the old saying goes, it's not timing the market, it's time in the market, right?
0: There you go. There you go. That's uh, and then you let the eighth wonder of the world do its uh, thing.
1: Investing early is crucial. When we return, we'll hear from Larry about why you should have a diversified portfolio and why he likes ETFs. But first, let me tell you how you can become a more informed investor through Early Bird, a free daily email newsletter. Early Bird has commentary on the latest events and trends in stocks, cryptocurrency, and crowdfunding. With Early Bird's daily weekday email, investors can quickly stay on top of the trends and beat the market. Subscribe to Early Bird for free at www.earlybird.email. Once again, that's earlybird dot email and now back to today's discussion so larry we are talking today about the importance of starting early when it comes to investing um, especially as it relates to younger people now maybe it's just me but i think at least from my perspective i've noticed more young people are interested in investing especially since the pandemic started um, but in particular, I think that it, a lot of young people seem to be gravitated towards picking stocks um, or cryptocurrencies, whatever, um, is the big trend on different social media networks such as Reddit. Um, is this the right way that young people should be picking their investments or is, 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 is there really a different focus that they should be, fo- should be kind of considering?
0: Yeah, so I, I I agree with you. I think there's been a, a little bit of a, a light shine, you know, shown on the uh, on the investment world, and you do have the interest there. Um, where I where I disagree, and maybe we we part in uh, in our uh, assessment of the situation is, I I don't believe to me, I don't, in, in my view, that's not investing the the Reddits, the AMC's, the Game Stops of the world. You know, I, I think some young people have gotten a misunderstanding as far as what investing is because to me that's gambling uh, in my opinion that you know you'd be just as well off going to Atlantic City Vegas and you know finding your game of choice and that is uh, you know will probably lead you to a similar result uh, long term in the short term you might have some huge benefits but to me that's not investing that's gambling uh, investing is really you know, having a discipline and an understanding, having goals in mind and not trying to necessarily just pick a winner. It's to pick a diversified portfolio that's going to utilize what we've been talking about, that compounding interest effect that's going to grow your assets exponentially uh, over time and will also stand the test of time. I, I think those are key uh, key factors to looking at things. And, you know, there are various ways for, for folks to enter uh, that investing world. But I, I really think that there is a, personally, I think there's a line of demarcation between some of the things that we've seen in the last, you know, 24 months in terms of, uh, you know, investing versus uh, gambling. And, you know, again, going back to the financial literacy, you know, my son had a good friend who was day trading an account. Uh, over the last year and a half and my, my you know he had uh, made some money on the uh, the trading and when my son said well have you put any money aside for taxes you know his friend looked at him and said what do you mean I don't have to pay taxes <laughs> you know so I, I think that that's a troublesome too when you unleash something that it, people are knowledgeable about it, it makes it a difficult situation. I think
1: you're right. It sort of goes back to uh, financial literacy and making sure that everyone, including those who are investing, understand everything from risks to obligations such as taxes. Um, But you did bring up a really good point, Larry, um, about building a diversified portfolio, especially one that's focused on the long term. But what if you're looking at a, a short term horizon, let's say five years or less? Um, Do you not throw diversity outside the window, but is it okay to maybe skew a portfolio a bit differently, focus on different types of assets or sectors, let's say?
0: Yeah, I mean, I think it depends on what the goal is with that pool of money that's quote unquote short term. I mean, I think everybody wants to have short term assets and get a great return on it. I don't know that that is is feasible. So I I think, you know, if it's the five year time horizon is to buy a house. Uh, I think, you know, a diversified portfolio is probably too risky, even for that, maybe under five years, you know. Um, We've had people come to us at our firm and say, you know, uh, I need this money, this pool of money in two years, you know, three years. What should I do with it? I said, well, what's it for? Well, I'm buying a house or it's for a sweet 16 or a wedding, And quite frankly, it may not be the answer that they or your listeners want to hear. I tell them to keep it in cash because for those types of events in that time horizon, it's not a matter of the return on the investment. It's more important that you get the return of the investment. And I'm not going to be the guy or the advisor, and my firm is not going to be the firm that tells these folks that, hey, remember that $100,000 that you had uh, set aside for your house in three years? It's now worth $75. I'm not going to tell them that. So, you know, that's where cash is king and it's important. And I think one of the things that has gotten skewed, uh, you know, from investors and some of our newer investors, especially, is they haven't seen really a down market outside of a couple of months here or there, uh, for instance, in early 2000s or, you know, some other Uh, the early 2020, rather, and uh, some earlier times, we haven't really seen them down market since 2008, 2009. So, you know, you talk about some of the newer investors, they haven't really experienced that. And I think they really have to educate themselves on that before they go deploying short-term assets into investments that could potentially go the other way. Again, depending upon what and how that would impact them. If, if, if short-term, it's not gonna impact them if that money goes down 20 to 30%, then you know in a diversified portfolio may be a, an okay situation for them. But if that's all the money they have to buy a house, I I would hesitate to do anything other than, uh, you know, keep it in in cash uh, and have it readily available for that purchase.
1: Cash is certainly king. Um, So we always say to listeners, you know, definitely reach out to a financial advisor when you're setting up your portfolio. But Larry, I I just wanted to get your perspective. Um, Instead of picking individual stocks, would you uh, prefer some type of fund such as an exchange traded fund or an
0: ETF? Yeah, I think, Stephen, the, the, the key here is, right, you want to build wealth. So in order to build wealth, you want to look for investment vehicles that aren't going to eat into that wealth. Um, and the most effective ways of typically doing that are looking at at ETFs. Um, you know, the next level, you know, if, if, for instance, you're looking to invest in your company's 401k where there's a set menu, They may not have an ETF uh, menu available, so you may only have funds uh, as your investment choices. And I think when you look at those, you have to counterbalance uh, both the type and the strategy and the diversification with the cost associated Uh, with it. Because again, you know, if you maintain an extra, you know, if you save a half a percent, let's say in fees on the investments themselves, that's an extra half a percent that goes to the bottom line in your account. So you start compounding that that half a percent over time, it has a similar effect to this to the compounding of putting the money in earlier. So you you wanna counterbalance that and find a happy medium that's gonna get you to the place you wanna be with the investment. So typically we'll look at ETFs um, or individual stocks uh, if needed and we have, uh, you know, here we use, we have portfolio managers that manage it internally. Um, so those are typically the, the first two areas. And, you know, if you don't have those available, then mutual funds, you know, just be cognizant of what the costs are before you start deploying monies there.
1: Makes sense. Uh, real quick, what about target date funds? You mentioned 401ks and a lot of them tend to have uh, target date funds as as some of the only funds available, depending on the situation. Are, are they OK?
0: Yeah, I mean, it, you know, I I wouldn't say blanket statement that they're all great, but they're, they're something you have to look at and review. You know, we have a platform through my firm called uh, Retirement by Design, which allows us to manage clients' assets while they're at their company's 401k. Uh, it's a little bit of a unique technology and a system that we use. Um, but if you don't have the ability to have an advisor to help you in that capacity, and a target date fund uh, is you know l- on the lower cost end and diversified enough, it c- it could be a great tool to utilize. Uh, I will tell you, for us, for the clients that we're managing their four hundred one k assets at their four hundred one k plan, we're typically not using target date funds because we're able to go in there, view the, the, uh, choices that are available. And we try to build as best an allocation for them that's going to be diversified and as low cost as, as possible within that uh, framework. But if those are the only things available, it's better to be invested and have money growing for you and compounding than not investing at all because maybe the, uh, the cost of that target day fund is five or 10 basis points higher than other investments, for example.
1: Makes sense. Just keep on investing and start as early as you can. Larry, thank you so much. I have just one final question for today, and it's the biggest question of the show. It is Here's the question. If you were a professional wrestler, what would be your entrance
0: theme song? Oh, that's a good one. That's a good one. So my entrance theme song, it's a good one and an easy one. My entrance theme song would be Thunderstruck Mm. by ACDC. I just think if you listen to that song and it might date me a little bit, you, you, you can't get excited. You cannot not get excited listening to that song.
1: Thank you again to Larry Sprung for sharing your insights on investing. And thank you to everyone for listening to today's discussion. We'll be back next week for another episode of Early Bird. Have a great day.